Let's pray. God, I want to thank you for your grace and your mercy. I want to thank you for your love for your church. I want to thank you that you give the gifts for the church to be the church. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in the hearts of people. And you would call them and you would show them how they could, they could serve here. Thank you that you love us no matter what. Thank you for sending Jesus. And God, this morning I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. My rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. All right. John, you throw that verse up there. 1 John 4.18. And this is going to be the last verse we're going to do in chapter 4. We're going to move to chapter 5. And I hope to finish 1 John by the end of the year because there's other things I want to talk about. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Why don't we just kind of sit with that verse for just, just a few more seconds and, and read it over again and let it kind of penetrate. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. You know, as we read the scripture, many times what we'll see the way the Bible communicates the truths of God, the revelation of God, is it speaks about it speaks things in the positive and then it will speak things in the negative. And what I mean by that is if I were to say to you, exercise keeps me healthy. Well, that's a positive statement about exercise, that exercise, it keeps me healthy. But now if I say to you that I won't get sick if I exercise, it's pretty much saying the same thing, but it's saying it in the negative. And that's the way what that's what we see in the scripture. We see this this positive and the negative introduced or spoken about the same idea. And so we see that in verse 17, the verse that we looked at last week in, in chapter 4, when John says that we can have confidence on that day of judgment. There's certain things that happen. We can have confidence on that day. We don't have to worry about that day. And now he brings that same idea about judgment and punishment, and he introduces it now with the negative statement. He says that perfect love drives out fear. There is no fear in love. And so he's saying the same thing, but he's saying it now in, in, in a negative way. It's not a downer of any, in any sense, but he's saying it in a different way. And it's good for us to understand how the scripture, how it teaches us, how it, how it uh, explains the revelation of who God is. Now, verse 17 and verse 18, this verse and the verse we looked at last week, has to do with the idea of judgment. It has to do with, with God's punishment. Maybe we can fit in God's wrath into there also. And I know that those are topics that just, they, they, many times they don't make us feel good. They, they, they put a little worry or make us a, a little tense, uh, tense at times. And, but, but yet it says here in the last part of this verse, the one who fears, and what he's talking about is fearing punishment or fearing judgment, the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And that love is the love of God. 
if we fear about judgment day, then somehow God's love has not been perfected into us. Now we see over and again that that John is talking about consequences here. The consequence of living into the love of God. The consequence of living in love like we looked at last week. The consequence of God being in us and us being in God. There are consequences to that. And the consequence is we don't fear. We can live a fearless life in this world. Fearless. That's a posture that, that, that we can keep our head held high, our shoulders back, not in arrogance, but in fearlessness. It's a great litmus test to our journey in, in this faith journey and our journey with God. To really examine ourselves and, and see where we fall, how we feel about this idea of the judgments, of punishments. Now, we need to keep in mind that as John's writing this letter, and I've reminded you over and again as we've looked at it, that he is writing to the church, he's writing to the people in the church, and he wants to encourage them. Now, not only does he want to encourage them, but he wants to speak life into them in their time of need. Because remember, there's things going on in the church that, that are causing some questions to come up. There's people teaching false things about Jesus. And John wants to come in and he wants to not only encourage, but to speak life and just to kind of calm their fears. And maybe we can say in this verse and in the verse uh, last week that we looked at, the two verses we looked at last week, that we can summarize it this way, that the people who live most happiest today, the people who are filled with joy today are people who do not fear the judgment of tomorrow. People who do not walk in fear of eternity. And so if there's a joy in your heart today of living this, this Jesus life, it's probably because you have, you are, you are sure you are sure of what tomorrow will bring. You are sure that there is no condemnation. There is no punishment for you because God is in you and you are in God. And so how we feel about this day of judgment talks a lot about what we really believe. What we really believe about God and what we believe about ourselves in this faith journey that we're in. What we, what we think about that day of ju- judgment really shows how we love God. And how are we loving the brothers and the sisters? Those are evidences of how, we, how we're living this life when we think about this, this, this word punishments and, and judgments. And so what John is doing, he's, he talked about this, the doctrine of the last days of, of, of judgment. And then he wants to bring in this application of it. He wants, to, he wants to bring in God's truth. He wants to explain God's truth. But then he wants, wants to tell us, this is what living in that truth looks like. This is how it feels. This is kind of how things go for us. Now, we can't separate doctrine from application. Well, I mean, you can separate doctrine from application, but it's dangerous because you will miss the intimacy of what the scriptures teach. You will miss the the depth of of what the scriptures teach, the transformation that the scriptures offer us. There have been many a student of the Bible who study the Bible, know it back and forth, cover to cover, can can speak chapter and verse, know theologies, knows, knows doctrine, but the scripture has not influenced or transformed their heart and soul in any way. I have a, of a teaching of a, a woman who's an uh, Old Testament scholar, and she teaches the Old Testament, 
but she doesn't believe any of it. She doesn't believe that any of this happened, and she treats it as just a, a ancient literature that's worthy of, of us studying. But in her, there has been no transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit as she engages these texts. And so for many people, they can slip into that where the Bible is just something we're going to study, some literature, some poetry, some history, and, and, we, and we negate the transformative power that God wants to do in our heart, in our soul, in our mind. We have to read the Scripture holistically. Heart, mind, and soul. It has to penetrate or we are going to miss the transformative power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Now, last couple of weeks, I've had to ask myself, and myself can be stubborn sometimes, and so I had to ask him two or three times. I said, myself, um, how often do you really think about this judgment stuff? And it took myself a while to answer because, like I said, he's stubborn. And, and so he came back and he said, you know, not a lot. Like, I don't spend a lot of time, and I'm not an end times type of guy. I mean, I know they're coming, and I'm good with that, and, and I have that assurance in my heart and soul. But I don't spend a lot of time in there. And when I do, I always kind of go back to the theories or the speculations. You know, are there two resurrections? Is judgment going to be for a thousand years? Where are we in the whole thing? Are we pre, post, millennia? All those big words that we kind of throw out that I really don't understand, but they sound really make me sound smart. Um, and... and, and and so I go to those types of things when I think about the end times, but I have come to the realization that the most important thoughts, the most important idea that we as the church, that as Christians, the most important thing about this judgment, about the end times that we can, we can think about is this. We all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us. And where will you stand on that day? That's, that's the most important thing. That's, that's where the rubber kind of meets the road. And John wants to take this doctrine of end times, of the judgment, of the punishment, and he wants to explain the doctrine out a little bit, but he also wants to bring it into the realm of application. And the reason why he does this is not to scare the church, but to give the church the assurance of where it will be on that last day. And so kind of let's, let's, let's unpack this idea a little bit. And kind of let's go back to B.C., not the Old Testament B.C., but before Christ in your lives. In our natural states, without Jesus, we, we have this, this stain of sin in our life. And that sin, that original sin, has separated us from God. And so God wants us back. And so he sends Jesus to redeem, to offer redemption. But without Christ, we are separated from God. And without Christ, that means that we should, or those people should, have some kind of, at least a little tension about the judgment of God. A little tension about the end times and the end days and how all that kind of, all that goes. But for many... For many, they just they, they don't engage it, and they don't engage it for many reasons, because sometimes they don't understand it. Sometimes they're just going to ignore it, or sometimes they just don't believe it. If you don't believe in God, then why should you believe in this stuff? If you've created a God in your own image, and God is always just kind of loving on you, and, and don't worry about it, and everything's good, then why do you need to believe in this stuff? But I'm going to make the proclamation that if you are separated from Christ. 
then you should have a little bit of a sense of urgency about this whole judgment thing, about this punishment. Can you go back to that, John? Keep it, keep it on that last one. About the punishments that is coming for those who stand outside of Christ. Now, people are going to deny Jesus. And as they deny Jesus, they deny the judgment. And people, some people believe that religion is just some, some feel-good superstition and, and this whole end-time judgment punishment thing. It makes for great sci-fi, but really it has no bearing on my life. And I just really don't mind. Or then we have the people that who they've made God in their own image. And God is not going to judge me because I'm not such a bad person anyway. And I haven't killed anybody. And so, I mean, why would he, why would he judge me? And, and so people ignore it. People don't engage it. People stand away from it. And those are the people that should be a little bit nervous about it. Those are the people where it should cause a little pause in their heart to go. Ugh. But yet we see many times they don't. People live in this willful rejection of the truths of God. And if you reject God, then you reject everything about him. We don't get to make it up as we go. And they're very quick to explain away all of this stuff. And and they're willing to take the risk of, well, I see that they're willing to take the risk of this not being true, but to them, there's not really a risk. But as I look and I read the scriptures, there's one thing that's been very clear in in the Bible. And, and, And it's this. That our destiny will be decided in this lifetime. And then on that last day of judgment, that destiny will be handed out or sentenced to us. Our destiny will be decided. And I, and I find it, I almost admire them in, in a strange way. The chutzpah of people that can just deny all of this and deny the scripture and deny God to willfully reject the scripture, willfully reject the God who is revealed in it, to reject the grace of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God and, and just land in some and, and, um, and believe and bet on some humanistic view of purpose and meaning and, and our life instead of what God has shown us. And so those who deny God those who deny Christ, those are the ones that should be a little nervous. But I'm here to tell you it's very different for the church. It's very different for the sons and the daughters of the living God. There is no fear in that day. There is no fear in that day. We are freed, freed from being fearful. We are free to to live in the joy of the gospel message. You can live fearless in this lifetime. You don't have to be afraid of our salvation. In fact, God invites us into our salvation. You don't have to be afraid to live this God life, even with the darkness in your own heart, because Jesus came to bring light into that darkness. Jesus came to heal that darkness. Jesus came to forgive that darkness. And you can live fearless because of that. And, and I'm going to say that the, the, the Eeyore Christian doesn't fully understand the gospel. Because there's joy in the gospel. And we can walk with our heads held back. Even in the midst of it all hitting the fan and it's just things are going horribly wrong in life. We can still live fearless because of the work of Christ on the cross. 
And we don't have to worry about punishment. And we don't have to worry about the judgments. In fact, it's going to be a glorious day for the church. Hebrews chapter 5. My pants are ripping. (laughs) Anyway, Hebrews chapter (laughs) 5. The ver- um, verse, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. It talks about how that Jesus came so that we don't have to fear that great unknown, which is death. I mean, nobody has really come back and gave us real, like, this is what happens. And we have a few uh, writings that, that kind of describe it a little bit. But nobody's been gone for a while and comes back and says, man, it's awesome. And so many of us fear that. That verse in Hebrews 2, it says this, that he came to free those who all of their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus came to deliver us from that fear. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning of something for everyone. And Christian, you don't have to fear the beginning of eternity with God. Second Peter, he talks about that we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. When God makes all things new, there's no reason to fear that, church. Romans chapter 8 tells us, uh, Paul writes that, that the spirit we've been given is a spirit that doesn't make us slaves so that we have to live in fear again. But the spirit that we've been given, it, 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 causes, us, it, it calls us into the adoption as his children. That we have been woven into the tapestry of God's family. There is no fear in that. That's a glorious day. It's a glorious day today. And it will be a glorious day in eternity when we stand before that judgment throne. Now, I think the point of all this is to say that fear and love, they they can't coexist. They, they, They are incompatible with each other. They just don't work well together. There is no fear in love, perfect love, God love. It drives out all fear, all fear. It's a pretty inclusive word. It means all. In the Greek, it's all. In the Hebrew, it's all. In Dennis, it's all. In you, it's all. It drives out all fear. And so fear and love and God's love, it stands in direct conflict with each other. And, and I think about this, and let's, let's put it into human terms for a minute. Sometimes in our family, our children have gotten sick. And sometimes when they get sick, they get that, that stomach bug. And our children have spent the entire evening kind of hugging the porcelain god. And during those times, and, and always in our house, it seems to come at night, around 10 and in, in our house, who sits next to them all night, worried, not worried about the sickness, not worried about getting thrown up on? Who sits with them all night long? Sandy does. I don't do throw up. <laughs> you come with your arm hanging off, I'm good. Throw up, no. But Sandy's love for our children keeps her sitting with them by the toilet listening to those God-awful noises that come from them, with no fear of her getting sick. Now, eventually, when she comes back downstairs, she'll look at me and say, I hope I don't get sick. But but that whole time, 
the love that she had for her kids casts out all fear of her getting sick. Let's look at it from a bigger perspective. We have missionaries, doctors, lay people, just just people going to West Africa. Christians who are serving in West Africa with Ebola. Trying to help people, trying to stop this epidemic that's, that's there, that's killing thousands of people. The love of God that's in their hearts equates to the love that they have for other people. And that love casts out all fear for their own lives. We're not talking about catching a stomach bug here. We're talking about dying. A really horrific death. Perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And I'm sure we can come with, come up with a bazillion examples of that. And so as Jesus followers, those of us who have the love of God in us, that love has been completed, we no longer have anything to fear. We no longer have anything to fear. The transformation of our hearts by the Holy Spirit and the love of God drives out all that fear. And and I'm I'm going to tell you, if you fear the judgment day, if you're sitting in here right now and you have questions that are lingering and you fear that day, you fear eternal punishment, you fear judgment, then there's only really a few things that can, can be going on in you. I think first, maybe you have a misunderstanding of the love of God. The, God, the, the love that God has for you. Maybe you have a misunderstanding of, of the gospel and the cross and forgiveness. Maybe you actually think in some prideful way that your sin was way too big for God to forgive. And so you have that misunderstanding. If that's you and, and you're just not sure of it, then you can't, don't, don't leave here without talking, chatting with someone. Because you don't have to live in fear. Because the perfect love of God casts out fear. And so if you're not sure, if you have a misunderstanding, then come chat. Coffee and still going on. We got lots of food. We could, we could talk. Or maybe if you're fearing that day and you're fearing punishment, maybe, maybe you have yet to surrender to the love of God. Maybe you have yet to surrender to that love and, and have yet to receive Christ into your heart. And I'm telling you, if that's you today, Today might be the day. We as Jesus followers, we, I, you, the church, possess the love of God. And that love that we have through Jesus Christ has driven out the fear of punishment, any, uh, of, of judgment. Now, maybe some of you who read the Bible a little bit, you're saying, oh, dear pastor, what about those verses that speak of the fear of the Lord? What, what about that verse in Philippians where it says that I'm to work out my salvation with fear and trembling? And what about Hebrews chapter 12 where it talks about, about the fear of the Lord and how our God is a consuming fire? How would you explain those, good pastor? And I would first say I'm not a good pastor. I'm an awesome pastor. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, I would, I would say this about that. (laughs) See what you did. Um, Okay. This is what I would say about that. What John is talking about here is judgment, punishments. What those verses talk about is an awe and a reverence of the Lord. 
It's, it's about being, and yeah, maybe, maybe that awe, it's like looking at the, the roller coaster that you want to go on that has a vertical drop of, you know, 17 stories. And you're just like, and it makes you a little, a little nervous maybe, but you don't fear it like, oh, well, maybe you do, so you don't go on it. But, you know, you get what I'm talking about. There's an awe about that. That's what those verses talk about. That there's this reverence, there's this awe of the things of God. With love, there's always this idea of respect. When you love somebody, there's a certain amount of respect that you have for them. And take that a little bit deeper when you think about the things of the Lord. And you think about His holiness. And that whole separateness goes way beyond us. And so there's this this awe of God. A, a, A holy reverence. That's not fear of going to hell. It's not fear of being punished. The love of God casts out that fear. And so as a Jesus follower, there's this idea of of should. And I guess there are some shoulds in the Bible. Church, you should not be afraid. When you walk with Christ, you should not fear punishment and judgment. And I think for us, I want to unpack the idea of, of misunderstanding a little bit. You can walk in fearlessness when you know where your salvation comes from. First John 4, 9, and that was a bunch of weeks ago. Remember, he wrote this, that God sent his son so that we can have life in him. God has sent his son so that we can have life in him. The love of God has been displayed in Jesus Christ. And we can have life in him. He showed his love to us that way. And so the first way that we can be assured that we can walk in this fearlessness is that that our salvation comes from Christ and Christ alone. Not in our good works, not in our good deeds, not in our trying to strive for or earn it. Our salvation comes from because the love of God has been poured out into our lives through Jesus Christ. And faith in Christ and Christ alone gives us the assurance that we have been saved from that day of judgment. The bad side of it anyway. And that the sentence that will be handed out to us is eternity with God. We have to understand. We have to, we have to, we have to understand what the gospel teaches us what the cross of Christ means, what God has done for us, in us, because of Jesus. John, now you can go to that verse. Ephesians 2, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Let me kind of put it this way to you. I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of God that day. And when I stand there, I will know that I'm a sinner. I will know that I messed up a lot. I will know that I have sinned against God. I will know that I have made things in my life God over God. And that's idolatry. I will know I have sinned in that way. 
I will know that I have not loved him with everything that I got like he calls me to. I will know that I have not loved the church and, and, and love it in the way that he has empowered me to by the power of his Holy Spirit. I will, I will know that I've walked in pridefulness and selfishness and arrogance. I will know that I've put my flesh over the things of the Spirit many, many times. I will know that on that day. I will know that on that day. And as I stand there with that knowledge, I will stand there fearlessly because the blood of Christ has been shed for my sin. And I will not fear. Not because of me, but because of grace. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. I have received his righteousness because I claim his blood. I have been hidden with Christ, as it talks about in Colossians chapter 3. I have no other hope but the hope of Jesus Christ. And I put my, I bet my life in that hope. I am assured in that hope. The cloak of righteousness has been woven by the Son of God and it covers me before the throne of God. That's my assurance. And that's your assurance when you walk with Jesus, perfect love, cast out fear, justified by faith in faith alone. And then I think we could look at some of the other things, and we talked about this a bunch of weeks ago, and um, the feedback that I got from some of you, it was a real revelation because some of you really struggle with your walk with Jesus. And you don't know for sure. Because I think that we, we in this culture, we like to have things perfect and we like to be able to measure things and, and have them just look very nice and tidy. But if you can examine your life, I mean, really take time and examine your life and you can say, you know, I, I do have this burning desire to know God. I am hungry for the things of the Lord. I want to grow deeper in my intimacy with him. That There's something that continually calls me. I, I long for the things of God. And, and I do desire to read the scripture. And sometimes I don't always do it. And, and, and I know that I should, but there's this longing that I can't get away from. And, and I want to read them. And not only do I want to read them, but I want them to, to read me. I want them to speak in into my life. And, and I am trying to love the brothers and the sisters. And I do have this desire to be with them. And yeah, sometimes they get on my nerves. But, but there's something that keeps bringing me back to that building every Sunday. If that's you. If you can say that that's you. That there's that desire in you for the things of God. That I'm going to tell you that the spirit of the Lord is working in you. Those things, you just don't muster those things on your own. It's the spirit of the living God that's working in you. And if God is in you, you are in him. And then the love of God has been poured out upon you. You don't have to fear judgments. Even if you mess up. Even if there's a darkness in you. Listen, if, if, if Jesus could cure it in our lifetime, the darkness that's in our hearts, I don't think he would have had to go to the cross. There might have been an easier way. But we are always going to wrestle with the sin that's in our heart and in our mind and in our soul. And he knows that. And that's why he sent the son that that we can have forgiveness. And we cannot fear that day. And so those are desires in you. You know that God is in you and he's at work in you. And if God is in you, then you are in him. 
And you can stand with confidence on that day. You see, justification and sanctification, big words, Google them if you don't know what they mean. Uh, They have to always go together. If you tell me I have been justified by Christ, so it doesn't really matter what I do and how I live, I will tell you this, you're wrong. I will say that those who have been justified with Christ care about the way they live. Not to earn anything from him, but in response to what God is already doing in their hearts. So church, it's not just about our behavior, our best behavior. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. It's in Christ and Christ alone that we can stand in confidence on that day. The love being perfected in us and through us in Christ Jesus. I want to end with a song this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team to to come on back up. And, And as they get ready... I want to talk about this idea of love for a minute. Because the love of God is evidence of him working in us. And the love that we have for, for each other is evidence of him working in us. And the love of God and the love that we have for each other is evidence that you don't have to fear. I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Walk with confidence. Walk with your head held high. Walk with your shoulders back. That the love of God has been poured out upon you through Jesus Christ. And that you could stand assured on that day. And you will hear those words, good and faithful servant, enter into my rest. That's what God is calling his church into. Good. Well done. Well done. Well done. Enter into my rest. There's too many people that live fearful. There's too many people that, that, that don't feel like they're good enough. I'm here to tell you, you're not. But by Jesus, he's made you good enough, righteous enough. It's, it's his righteousness that we have. How much more can you want than the righteousness of God on you? Fear not. For For he is with you. Now, church, may you go in the joy and the assurance that you walk with God. God walks with you. And that the love of God is alive and well in each one of you. I love you guys. We'll see you next week.